you could do what you were created to do? What if you actually have the space and time in your schedule and in your mind to go after your dreams? Jesus Never Ran is here to help you do just that. This is podcast number one, The Native Priest. I am your host and eternal optimist, Matt Kinzera. Let's take a walk. Before we jump into this week's podcast, I want to remind you that taking care of ourselves is key to taking care of this world. However, it is unbelievably difficult to find the time to get to a yoga studio or to a gym, and no one likes being surrounded by a bunch of strangers while working out. You could work out at home, but it's nearly impossible to stay motivated, and let's be honest, searching for good options on YouTube is enough to make you want to give up before you start. I've got good news, TDH Virtual Experience has got you covered. Experience a class setting virtually on your terms. Enjoy yoga, boogie fit, dance fitness, and even ballet and tap dance classes simply by logging into your account. You'll have the opportunity to ask questions and receive personal answers. You will be part of a fun and supportive community without leaving your home. This is the best of both worlds, and the best part, it's for everyone anywhere, anytime, and it starts at just $25 a month. Want to check it out? Go to thedancinghouse.com and start your two-week free trial today. No credit card is required and new classes are added every week. That's thedancinghouse.com. Proud supporters of Jesus Never Ran and of Dreamers Everywhere. I believe that there is greatness in all of us, and I believe that God created us that way, and if we use that greatness in the way that we're supposed to, that it'll make a huge impact on this world. People will be naturally drawn to us, and because of that, they'll naturally be drawn to Jesus, and it'll really make this world a better place. So this podcast is meant to address just that. It's not a podcast about being a better Christian or about living more holy. Those things actually tend to be awfully destructive uh, if that's our motivation. But this is a podcast about simply learning to be more present and more attentive, just like Jesus was. There are two things in my mind that keep us from being just like Jesus. The first one, I'm sure there's a lot of things, but I think there's two primary ones in our culture specifically that keep us from being like Jesus. The first thing is our schedules are far too busy. We're just running around like crazy trying to get from here to there, just getting from the beginning of our day to the end of our day. And the other thing that I think is getting in the way of living like Jesus is simply that our minds are too busy. Our minds are clogged up with unforgiveness. Our minds are clogged up with stress. Our minds are clogged up with bitterness. And that is getting in the way of us living like Jesus. So I want to start with a Bible verse. And this is out of the book of Matthew. And, and I'm going to read this out of a version of the Bible called The Message. And it's out of Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. And if you're anything like me and the vast majority of this world, you will relate to this as I read it. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now, when I read that, I can identify to the core of my being. And when I read it, I want it so desperately. And I'm hoping that 
the very fact that you're listening to this podcast means that you identify it with that as well and means that you want that verse to feel true for your life. So let's look at Jesus' life and let's look at how he paces himself and let's look at how we're supposed to emulate that. So the first story about Jesus that comes to mind when we're talking about pace and we're talking about slowing down in order to to realize the greatness that's within us is a story about a guy named Jairus. Now Jairus came to Jesus because his daughter was ill. And he was hoping that Jesus would heal his daughter. And he was believing that Jesus would heal his daughter. Now, when Jairus comes to Jesus, Jesus listens to him like Jesus always would. And he hears his concern. And he decides that absolutely, like Jesus always does, he decides that he is going to meet that need. And he is going to go heal Jairus' daughter. But what he doesn't do, because if I'm Jesus in that situation, which I certainly am not, if I'm Jesus in that situation... I'm ready to hightail it. I'm ready to sprint to the next place because this daughter is sick and I want to get there as quickly as possible. But he doesn't do that. What Jesus does is he just goes with Jairus and he walks towards where his daughter is. Now, the most fascinating part of this story is that while he's walking towards where Jairus' daughter is, He is stopped because a woman who has had some sort of issue where she bleeds a lot, she has this issue of bleeding, she touches his, she just, she, she goes through the crowd and she touches his robe because she believes that she can get healed if she just touches his robe. And Jesus, in the midst of that entire crowd, senses that something happened and he stops. Now, if I'm Jairus in this situation and we're on the way to heal my daughter and Jesus stops, I'm going to get a little bit stressed out at this point and I'm going to be thinking, Jesus, I I think we should get going and actually maybe we should pick up the pace a little bit from where we have been. But Jesus doesn't do that. He stops right in his tracks. He addresses this woman and he meets her needs. He heals her of her uh, issue that she's having. And then he goes on and and sees Jairus' daughter and he heals her as well. The reason I love this story is because when you read it, you don't sense for a second that Jesus is in a hurry. And when God brings somebody else into his path, in addition to Jairus' daughter, he also stops and meets that need. That's an incredible story. An equally incredible story about Jesus and his pace in life is this time when he makes the religious leaders of the time so angry that they literally want to throw him off a cliff. And so he's walking towards this cliff. I don't know why he's walking towards the cliff. If I'm Jesus and I've got an angry mob around me, I'm thinking I walk away from all cliffs. But somehow Jesus is either forced or led to, he's, he's moved towards this cliff. And they get to this cliff fully intending to throw Jesus off. And what does Jesus do? Now, again, if I'm Jesus in this situation, you want to know what I do. I turn around, I try to sprint through the crowd, I'm punching, I'm kicking, I'm doing whatever I need to do to get myself out of that situation. But do you want to know what Jesus does in that situation? Jesus simply turns around, so he's facing the crowd now, back to the cliff, his face is to the crowd, this angry mob, and what does he do? He just walks right through them. Jesus walks through the angry mob, and that is the end of the story. That is how I want to live my life. I want to live a life that is at that pace so I can be fully present in everything I do. There's a pastor out on the West Coast and his name is John Mark Comer. 
And I think he said it really well when he said, to follow Jesus is to match your pace of life with his. Let me say that one more time. To follow Jesus is to match your pace of life with his. I feel like the older I get, the more I look around myself and the more that I look at the culture around me, and I see exactly the opposite of that. I see people rushing from here to there. I hear people all the time bragging about the busyness of their schedules. And that is sick. In my mind, that is sick. If we are going around bragging as if we're one-upping one another about how busy we are, oh, you're that busy? You should hear my schedule. That's not okay. That's not a good thing. That's not what God has for us. Our schedules and our minds are so bogged down that if something or someone came in front of us and needed our attention, if God brought someone or something right in front of us, that would probably end up being offensive to us because we're so tied to needing to get from here to there and we're so booked up, every minute of our life is booked up, that if God brought somebody or something in front of us, we would probably be offended because we simply don't have the space for it. Here is the plan. There are a lot of people in this world who after being caught up in this type of life that I've just described have decided to say enough is enough. These are people who are not satisfied with what the rest of the world is doing. People who are sick of living in the mundane and the purposeless and they know deep down that there is so much more to life. And so what these people have done is they have decided to step out of this rat race of life and step into who God is calling them to be. Not only their purpose, but the pace that they desire to live in. And so what we're going to do is every single week of the Jesus Never Ran podcast, we are going to interview somebody that is in the midst of this journey. We are going to come across some people who are well into this journey. They've given up the rat race a long time ago, and they're well into this journey, and they're very successful in what God's calling them to do, and they've completely changed their lives, completely changed their families' lives. There's going to be other people that we interview who are right in the middle of it. They've maybe taken a leap of faith to get out of the rat race, and they've taken that leap, but now they're in the figuring out part. They're trying some things, they're doing some things, they're probably freaked out beyond what you can imagine, but they're in the midst of it. And even being in the middle of it brings so much joy. And the reason that I'm gonna interview that group of people is because when we are all in the midst of things, it's not always, it's it's encouraging to hear the stories of success, but it's also encouraging to hear people who are where you are, people who are in the midst of the struggle, and maybe they have some sort of perspective in the midst of the struggle that you couldn't have if you're beyond that struggle. And then the third group of people that we're going to interview, that I'm gonna interview, is a group that is literally at the edge. We're gonna hear them as they are taking that leap, as they are going from where they are to where they want to be. So it's going to be a ton of fun. My prayer and my hope is that as we listen to these interviews, that we are inspired. I'm praying that not only are you inspired, but that I am inspired and that we're encouraged to step out in our own story to be who God created us to be and to live at a pace that God desires us to live at. Now, this is our first time together. 
And so I thought it would be probably appropriate because I don't have anybody here. I'm actually sitting in my 1970s retro camper all by myself with my microphone. And I don't have anybody else sitting with me today. Nobody even knows much about this podcast yet. You don't even know much about this podcast yet. It's everybody's first introduction to this concept and this idea of Jesus never ran. And so I thought it appropriate since I'm your host and I will be the person interviewing people as we go through that I share a little bit of my story. I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin called Boscobel. And my earliest career aspirations were that I either wanted to be a Native American, which is extremely challenging based on the fact that I was a little white Polish kid. And nobody ever told me that I couldn't be Native American because I was Polish. And I'd always heard the story that all little kids hear that you can be anything you want to be when you grow up. And so I decided what I want to be is a Native American. And it was quite a while before I actually realized that being Native American isn't a career choice. It's actually a heritage. And unfortunately, I am still to this day stuck with my Polish heritage, which in my mind is a little less exciting but it is what it is and we're just going to live with it. The other career aspiration that I had came from growing up in the Catholic Church. I grew up Catholic. I went to Catholic school. I did the whole deal. I was an altar boy. I loved everything about it. I can actually remember the biggest fit that I can remember ever throwing for my parents was when I was in grade school and a friend of mine called because he couldn't be the altar boy that Sunday and he was wondering if I could fill in for him. Now, this was like hero time. I was so excited to fill in for him because I was the best altar boy in the world and I wanted to get in there and do what I was created to do, just like this podcast is talking about. My parents had other plans because they were not planning on going to church that early and they had they had ideas in their mind of how our morning was going to go and so they said no you couldn't do it and I threw a fit because I loved it. I loved being an altar boy. I loved being Catholic. So naturally my other career aspiration other than being Native American was to be a Catholic priest. Who wouldn't want to do that? Catholic priests get to wear these really cool robes and all these different colors over top of their robes. They, they wear these really amazing white collars. Uh, they wear the same clothes every day, so you don't even have to pick out new clothes every day. I mean, so much going for them. And so you know how little kids, when they're growing up, whatever they want to do, they dress up like it and they, they play that. So they might play that they're a construction worker or they might play that they're a mom or like I was saying earlier, like you're a Native American or a cowboy, whatever it is, whatever you see yourself wanting to become, you play that. Now, I fell right in line with that and I would pretend that I was a priest. So as I mentioned, priests wear these really cool robes. And so what I would do is I would go into my father's closet, I'd open the door, and I would grab out his robe, and I would put that on so that I would be recognized as the priest. The second thing I would do is I would go into our cupboards, and I would grab a bag of Nilla wafers, because that was the closest thing that I could find in my house that actually looked like the little round communion wafer, the communion host that you have in the Catholic Church. So I grabbed the Nilla wafers, and then what I would do is the Catholic Church always has music in it as well. And so I'd grab my, I had a little record player. It was a little kid's record player. It wasn't an actual record player, but it definitely played music. The one song that I can remember that I used a lot in this setting 
was Camp Town Races because what better to use in a church service than Camp Town Races? So I put on my dad's robe, I grabbed the Nilla wafers, I put on some great music, and I grabbed my one and only brother, and I said, we are playing Catholic Mass. And I would be the priest, and he would be the congregant, and I would serve him communion over and over and over. That man should be so holy by now because of the number of times his brother pretending to be a Catholic priest served him communion. Neither of those career options ended up panning out for me. For obvious reasons, I couldn't end up becoming Native American. But then I also decided against the priesthood, mostly because I found out a little while down the road that not only could you not get married as a priest, but you also had to be celibate as a priest. And as I was growing up and started liking girls, that seemed like a horrible idea. So I shelved that idea and I went on to other things. Naturally, I decided I was going to be a rock and roll drummer. So eventually I grew up and I went to college and I didn't really know what to go to college for because as a rock and roll drummer, you don't actually need to go to college from what I've heard. But my parents you know, I could tell they wanted me to go to college. And so I decided to go to college for music, music education to be exact. And I made it through and I graduated. And right after college, I got a job as a high school band director. And this, let me tell you, this was the first time that I can remember thinking, this cannot be all there is to life. There has to be something more. Now, don't get me wrong, music education is an incredible field to go into. I have some friends that are music educators that are so amazing at what they do. One of my friends started a hip-hop class. He was teaching his class of middle schoolers how to scratch records. How great is that band director, right? So there's incredible music education uh, people in this world, music educators in this world. I just wasn't one of them. And so right in the middle of my very first year as a high school band director, we decided, my wife and I decided that this was not the life for us. And what we were going to do, obviously, was sell everything that we own, minus our music equipment and our van and some clothes, go on the road and do music for a living. And that's exactly what we did. We had just bought our first house and within four to six months of owning that house we put it on the market we sold it we sold one of our vehicles kept the other one we sold tools we sold anything we had in our house we sold our furniture we sold it all and uh and then we went on the road and we just would play anywhere that we could find a play we would call places up and we'd travel around in our little red minivan and just play here play there we traveled from city to city state to state sometimes there was only one or two people in the audience other times there's hundreds of people in the audience there was days when we were driving where we weren't quite sure where we were going to stay that evening we didn't have enough money in the bank for a hotel room and we weren't quite sure if the place that was bringing us into play was gonna host us as well it was a crazy crazy time of life but it was incredible we had so much fun as a young married couple doing this and we actually carved out a living doing this for a couple of years eventually being on the road loses its excitement maybe not for some of the rock stars that we all know very well 
But for us, it started to lose its excitement and actually became a little bit more cumbersome than it was exciting. You know, the, the red minivan isn't all that big and eventually it starts to smell and, and it's great being with your wife all the time. But when you're that close all of the time, it can, it can maybe become a challenge for your marriage as well. And so we knew at this point was another point when we felt like this can't be all there is. There's got to be something more. This isn't truly who God created us to be. And so we then ventured into yet another journey. We kept doing things on the road. We kept traveling some, but we backed off on that quite a bit and we moved into another space. What was that space? Well, we moved into a space of going to church crazy idea, right? We started going to church and we started using our talents, specifically in music, but in other things as well, started using our gifts, what we were good at in the context of the local church. We thought, how great would it be to work with other people to try to bring the kingdom of God forward into this earth? It sounded like an incredible thing. And it was so incredible until it wasn't. I mean, it started out so great and then eventually it just got really, really hard. Several years into that journey, we were on staff at a church as music and arts directors, and the church went through a horrific, horrific split. And that was really the first time that we felt extreme disappointment in church as a whole. And then we moved to another church, and and that was not a, a good experience either. And by the time, so again, we're probably six, seven, eight years into this journey at this point of being on church staff. And at the time after the church split and after our second experience at a mega church that we really didn't feel good about, we left that experience. We quit that experience because we just couldn't do it any longer. We didn't quit because we had another idea. I didn't quit because I had another job lined up. I quit because I was at a place in life where I simply didn't want to be at church anymore. I didn't want to work at church, but I also wasn't so sure that I even wanted to be at church. And so life had taken a bit of a dark turn. And so what do you do when you don't want to be a part of a church anymore? The natural step is to start your own church. Let me tell you, if if my current self could go back and talk to my decade ago self and give him some advice, probably some of the advice I would give was if you're really struggling with something, don't start another version of that something. So what we did is we started a church. Not only did we start a church, we started a church that was specific for people who were homeless, people who were poor, and people who were really, really hurting. So we jumped out of feeling really disconnected with church into a new church that was going to be church, but just a lot more difficult. Now, anytime you have a church like that, the offering is really not all of that big. I can remember opening the offering box in our church and there would be just some change in the bottom of the offering box. So we couldn't do that as our full-time career. I couldn't be a pastor of that church and expect to pay the bills. I have, at this point, I had a couple of children as well. And so I naturally needed to get a second job. So what did I do? Well, the Bible talks a lot about Jesus. Uh, the way that we act towards prisoners is the way that we're acting towards Jesus. So I thought, hey, my other job is that I'm going to be a prison chaplain. And that's what I did. Once again, If my current self could go back and tell my 10 years ago self some advice, 
Another thing that I would tell them is if you're in a very, very hard job of working with homeless people and poor people and people that are getting their energy shut off and people that are getting evicted from their apartments, probably a good idea would be to not go into another job that is going to bring a ton of stress into your life, like a prison chaplain. Now, I loved my job as a prison chaplain. I had such incredible experiences with the inmates there. If I had to go back, I certainly would want that to be a part of my story. Maybe not in exactly the same way, but I loved it. And, and God showed up in such incredible ways. But let me tell you, when you are doing such intense work for a long period of time, and in my case, about seven years, I was a, a pastor at this church and seven years I was a chaplain, I was starting to experience such horrible burnout that I couldn't even think straight. And so about seven years in, I quit my prison chaplain job, not because I didn't want to be around the guys, not because I didn't want to be around the inmates, but because I couldn't handle the stress of the job and having to deal with the administration, honestly. But then that meant that I was full time in my pastoral role, which was equally as challenging and equally as difficult. And I was still burned out. Like I was just burning the candle at both ends. My phone wouldn't stop ringing. I had no more that I could give. And so after a really, really hard year, we ended up actually shutting the doors of that church. So at this point in my life, I had no space in my mind. I had some space in my schedule because I didn't have a job, but I had no space in my mind. I was so stressed out. I was so bitter. I was so angry. I was so hurt. But I had a mortgage in a family, and so I needed to get a job, and so I just needed a job that wasn't stressful. So I got a normal nine to five job, something that would pay the bills, uh, something that would just help my mind get to the place that it needed to be. And I'm so thankful that that job came along, and I think it was a God story that brought that job into my life. And it really gave me the space that I needed in my life to be away from that really, really hard, stressful work. It gave me some space to start a healing process. And when I really looked at it, I realized that the space that I had to clear up in my mind was 20 years deep, 20 years of struggle, 20 years of disappointment, 20 years of unforgiveness, 20 years of bitterness. And I am so thankful to God that over the next couple of years that he did the slow difficult, challenging work of getting my mind healed and getting my mind free and getting my mind into a space where I could start thinking again about what was I created to do? What did God put me here on this earth to do? All of these dreams started just pouring into my mind because now there was space for it again. But here's the problem. There might have been space in my mind, but now there wasn't space in my schedule. I have the two biggest problems that I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that are keeping people from doing what God is calling them to do. And now I got rid of one of those problems, but I had another one of the problems. My mind is free at this point, but my schedule is so booked up because I'm working 40 plus hours a week. And so I knew that I had to do something because I had all of, all of these things that God was breathing into my life and I needed to give them the time that they deserve because I so desperately every day of my life want to make a difference in this world. And so I took a step. I took a step of faith, not because it made sense, not because I understood how it was going to go, but I just went into my employer and I said, I've got these things in my heart. I've got these dreams in my mind and I need to go after them. And so I am going to step back 
and I'm only going to work three days a week instead of five. And it was scary. I didn't know if we were going to be able to pay the bills, but let me tell you, every single month we could pay the bills and every single month God was faithful. And now I suddenly had two additional days where I could start pouring into what God created me to do. And a big part of that is this podcast because I know that if I am able to find my passion and if I am able to find the time in my life, that I certainly can help other people do the same. And if not, I certainly can find people that I can interview that can help other people do the same because I believe that if we're all living in our passion and if we all have the time to give to our passion, we can quite literally change this world. Now, I am completely comfortable going first and I love taking leaps of faith. So I went into my boss's office literally right before launching this podcast and I let them know, hey, thank you, it's been great, but I have passions in my heart that I cannot live without doing. And so here we are today, I've went first, I'm excited to hear your dreams. Jesus Never Ran is launching right now. Join the revolution, let's have some fun. So I am at a place that I am ready to open up that closet again. I'm gonna grab the robe out and I'm gonna put it on. And I'm going to go to the cabinet, open it up and find vanilla wafers. I'm going to dig up my old record player, find Camp Town Races and play it because the native priest is going to be back. If you have a dream deep within your heart and you are just dying to get it out and you need a little bit of help, make sure you head over to the website at JesusNeverRan.com and check out The Walking Club. The Walking Club is a monthly video cast that will help you get from where you are to where you want to be. Next week, I go to the old Amish house of David and Jessica Yench. Now, they're not Amish, but they did buy an Amish house. They are several years into their Jesus Never Ran story and they are in the thick of it in all the best ways. Tune in next week. 